ready for breakthrough on this Palm Sunday? So many, so many churches, they tend to uh, preach sermons that are always in line with the calendar, and I don't always do that. I preach what's in line with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Did you know that the Holy Spirit is not always interested in preaching a message about Palm Sunday every single Palm Sunday? He's not always interested in, in telling the same story every single time, but he has his own message and his own heart, and he knows what the people need in this season, and God speaks directly to the hearts of people in the season that they're in, and I believe that I have a word from the Lord this morning about what God wants to do in your lives this morning, and as I was praying and preparing this message, um, I was like, Lord, this is such a good message for Easter, for Resurrection Sunday. This is such a good message for Resurrection Sunday. I said, should I save it for then? And he said, no, I'll give you something better. And I'm like, all right, all right. I like that challenge. I was telling my team this morning that that's the way I write songs. When, I, when I'm writing some of the worship songs that we played here that, that I've written, and, uh, and it's the same way I challenge the team when they're writing a song, is write a great chorus and then turn it into the verse and try to write a better course. So make that great course just a verse. And then challenge yourself to write a better course and you'll end up with a better song. And so that's always been my challenge. When I've written a song or had a song on my heart, I've written a chorus and said, nah, let's make it a verse and see if we can up the chorus and make it even better. And so I believe that this morning I have something for you and I'm going to challenge myself to go even uh, uh, deeper next week. Amen. I believe we're in a season right now, let me just be very clear, we've been talking about the building and battling season that we've been in, and I want to be very clear that I've said this over and over again, that the church is in a building season while the world is in a battling season. I want you to understand that on the surface, there are a lot of problems that we are facing in this time and season, not just in the world, but in our country in particular, but around the world. So we've been in it for a quick minute. How many of you are sick and tired of it and ready to be done with it? I am. I'm ready to be done with it. I'm ready to be done with it. But there are seasons like that that we walk through in our life where it's like it feels like it drags on forever and the end is nowhere in sight. That happens. And then we look at all of the news and everything that's happening around the world and it's like, oh man, I thought we were coming up out of this and now it just looks like just more things are piled on top of it. Does anybody ever feel like that in their life? Like you can't catch a break and just when you start to get ahead or something breaks through, three more things pile on you? I think all of us have been through that season in our life. I think most of us have experienced a lot of that in the last couple of years where we felt like every time we just got a little bit ahead or fixed one problem, three more ever happened. Okay, I bought a fixer-upper. Anybody bought a fixer-upper house before? Anybody got a fixer-upper car? You're excited because you finally fixed something? A fixer-upper house? You fix something and the three other things go wrong? And you're like, seriously, can I not catch a break? And it feels like no matter what you do, you're just spinning the wheels because you're never getting ahead. You're never getting breakthrough. And sometimes it feels like the enemy's plan against you is working out a little bit better than God's plan for you. It can feel like that if we're honest with ourselves. There are seasons where you're like, Lord, did I leave you or did you leave me? There are seasons where you're like, Lord, I know you called me to walk through a desert to get to my promised land, but it's really hot. You could have at least given me some sandals because the, the, the sand is burning my feet. 
It just feels like no matter what you do, the, the scorching sun will take you out before you ever reach your destination. Right? We have these moments where we land in an oasis, where we, we have a break, we have a reprieve from it, and then right back into the desert. And there are seasons like that where we feel like that. You know, on Palm Sunday, we're celebrating Jesus' triumphant entry into the city. And then the next Sunday, he's crucified. He's dead. By, by next Sunday, he's resurrected. But by the, in the middle of that week, he's crucified. And he's dead. And so we see these moments of triumph and then defeat, or what looks like defeat. And there are so many times in our life that we have these moments that look like defeat. Can I tell you a story about Elisha? Now, Elisha was the prophet that preceded Elijah. And it says that when he received his anointing, I mentioned this last week, but did you know something about Elisha that characterized his life, that characterizes anointing, is that a couple of things about Elisha is, is that it says he carried a double mantle of Elijah. That Elijah said, if you follow me and go with me and see me go up, then the double anointing will come upon you. And so Elisha actually carried a double anointing. How many of you guys want double? Amen. Not enough of you want double. I should stop right now. I'll save my words for next week, maybe. How many in here want double? Yeah. Quiet church is a dead church. You don't want it. I won't preach it. I want to give you everything that you'll take. Can I say that again? I want to give you everything you will take. God wants to give you everything you will take. But if you won't take it, there's nothing to give. So we have to be receivers of what God is about to do in us. We have to be receivers of the seed so that we can grow a harvest and, and produce fruit. Amen? You have to be good soil if you want God to deposit something in you. So in, Elisha was good soil. Somebody say good soil. See, he went everywhere that Elijah did, and Elijah told him, go home. I need to go. And he goes, everywhere you go, I'll go. He stayed right by Elijah's side, but it's not just that. See, as he stepped into the calling and plan and purpose of God on his life, he saw double what Elijah did. In fact, in, in, in the Bible, it's recorded that he did twice as many, or at least twice as many recorded miracles. There are twice as many recorded miracles that Elisha did than Elijah. So it literally recorded double to show that, that anointing of double. I'm sure they did a lot more things that are not recorded. So, but what's interesting about that is there's this moment in time, and I talked about this last time, where Elisha is called upon by the king. And the king's exact response for Elisha was, go bring me that one that washed the hands of Elijah. Go bring me the one that washed the hands of Elijah. He didn't say, go bring me Elijah's spiritual son. Go bring me the one that carries the double anointing of Elijah. He said, go bring me the one that washed the hands of Elijah. I want you to catch something. The anointing you're chasing after is on the other side of your service. Amen. See, when you're serving the Lord, come on. Somebody should say amen to that. People are like, oh, I got to do stuff. I don't know. I didn't clamp at that. It's on the other side of your service. When you are in service to the Lord, when you have committed yourself to serving God and being all in, then God will do something great in your life. Stop asking him to show up and do these manifested things. You keep asking him to show up, but you're not there when he shows up. God, when are you going to show up? I was there. I was there at, at, at church that day. You weren't. I, I was there in children's church, but you didn't help. 
Like there is an anointing that happens when you serve God. I'm just talking about the church. I'm talking about your lane, whatever that is. I'm talking about doing what God has asked you to do. In Elisha's case, God had asked him to sit under Elijah and let him be a spiritual father and train and and be mentored by him into the, the prophetic. That was Elisha's role. And he stayed everywhere that Elijah went and he washed the man's hands. So much so that kings knew him by that. But I want you to get something because a lot of times we're like, well, I'm not just somebody's servant. There are so many people in the body of Christ that miss the anointing on their life because they're so afraid of just being called a servant. I get that that happens in a lot of churches, but it does not happen here because my calling is to serve you and equip you and raise you up. And so if you serve someone that wants to raise you up, you will never serve them in vain. If you serve someone that just wants to keep you in servitude, that's bondage. But see, Elijah wanted to raise up Elisha, so Elisha had no problem washing the man's hands. And so pretty soon he's standing before kings and prophesying as the man who washed hands. And so God wants to raise you up as you commit your heart to aligning with what he's asked you to do. The full magnitude of what he's asked you to do. Not 10%, not 20%, not 30%, 100%. God wants you all in with what he's calling you to do. How many of you want to see greater things? Well, you need to, need to be available for greater things. I don't know how many things in my life I've missed because I wasn't available. I don't know how many times I've missed a miracle or a breakthrough or a salvation because I simply did not make myself available. I'm out at the restaurant and I'm tired. I don't want to talk to them. I have, maybe I have a word, but I don't make myself available. So I don't know what could have happened or didn't happen. I don't know. I don't know because I wasn't available. So there's plenty of times in my life that I have been unavailable to what God has asked me to do. But I can tell you that every time I've seen the supernatural power of God transform people's lives, it was because I was there and available. I put myself in a position to pour out. And guess what? God poured out. I've never seen a healing happen from my prayers that I didn't pray. If we make ourselves available, if we take that step of faith, if we begin to move in greater realms, then God can use us supernaturally. The problem is, is that too many of us are depressed and feel hopeless. Now you say, well, no, I like my life. I'm happy. What are you talking about? Some of us have already created cultures of disappointment in our faith. I, I get it. I get it. My back's been hurting the last couple of days and, and, uh, uh, Mark came up and said, can, can we pray for your back? We've seen two others healed. I'm the guy that everyone in church prays for and I never see the miraculous instantaneous healing. I've been healed lots of times. It's never happened from someone laying their hands on me in instantaneous healing. So I want you to know that if that's happened to you too, you don't need to be discouraged. But my first thought many times when someone's like, can we pray for you? Is like, <laughs> it hasn't happened before. And so there is this attitude or this acceptance of already having failed, of already being discouraged that it won't happen for me that sets in. And so we start to have faith in the enemy and not in God. Because so many of us in here have no problem saying, well, man, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen to me when it comes to the bad things in life. 
So many of us have faith that our car will break down, that something will go wrong in our house, that our children are a mess, that our marriage will fail, we have, uh, that job's not going to work out. So many of us have more faith in that than that God can do it. Tell me I'm not right here. So many times it's easier to trust that something bad will happen rather than God will show up and bring victory. And so we get trapped in a mindset of disappointment before it even happens. You know what that's called? That's called prophecy. You are prophesying into your life that disappointment will happen. And guess what happens? Disappointment. Why? Because you are a self-fulfilling prophecy. You have spoke it out. You have believed in it. And so we receive it. So many times we think the devil has got us beat. I'm telling you. In Elisha's case, we see this situation happen where Elisha goes to a woman who's been so kind to him. She even, listen, this woman takes him in when he comes through town. In 2 Kings chapter 4, we read about this story. But all along, this woman, every time he comes through town, she's like, that's a great prophet. Come stay the night with us. We'll put you up. And, and every time he comes through town, she puts him up. So much so that she asks uh, to have a special room built, a room just for him when he comes through town. So he has somewhere to sleep. Come on, that's honor for a prophet. They built a room onto their house just for him to be a guest when he happened to swing by, when he was traveling through. So they could honor him and she wanted to honor and serve this man. So she met his needs and poured out on him. And you know, in return, he gave her a prophetic word. She was without child and she wanted a child and he prophesied and said, you shall have a child. Guess what happened? She had a child. Why? Because Elisha's a good prophet. He knows how to prophesy. He gets stuff right. So he prophesies and she has a child. And everything's going right until it doesn't. And suddenly something happens with the boy, his head, and he falls over dead. He lays down, he dies. They have him in the room and, and, and they're praying over him and the mother realizes this was a promise from God. So many of us have promises of God that God has given us that we've seen begin to manifest and then suddenly it feels like it dies and it's laying there dead and we don't know what to do. See, the woman, she runs and finds Elisha. And when she finds Elisha, he says, is everything well? She's like, everything is well. That's her first statement. And then lets him know something's going on with my son. But her first statement is everything is well. There's a faith built up in her that says this is not the final chapter of my story. So this is what the, the prophet says. Take this staff, him and his servant. Take this staff, take it back, touch the boy, and he'll live. Amen. Come on. So she takes the staff, goes back with the servant, takes the staff and touches the boy. And what happens? He stays dead. Nothing happens. It doesn't work. This is the moment where most of us decide where the word has not come to pass, so we will abort the promise. We will walk away in discouragement because that's what we were expecting anyways. And so see, that's always what I get every time. Let me tell you this. The devil can only steal your promise when you let him. It's up to you to protect the promise. 
when God gives you a problem, let me say this. I'm not saying the devil never wins at anything. I'm not saying the devil never gets a victory at anything. We know he does. We see that happen all the time. But when it comes to God's promises in your life, if God has promised it, then the devil doesn't get to destroy it. That's not how it works. Because it was birthed by the mouth of God, it shall be sustained by the mouth of God, and no enemy around it can kill it. So this baby was born, not just of any baby. You say, well, but people die. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. But this was a promise. There's a difference. When God gives you a promise, that is not something can be prematurely taken unless you hand it over and allow the enemy access. And so this woman, nothing happens. So what does she do? Well, she lets Elisha know. Nothing has happened. So Elisha comes, instead of just standing a staff, he comes himself. He doesn't just give up and say, well, I mean, that's what I thought was going to happen. I guess we got to move on. But he shows up at the woman's. And it says that he gets on top of the boy and lays on top of him and puts his forehead to his forehead and his nose to his nose and speaks and breathes life into this young man. And the young boy instantly opens his eyes and comes to life. It says he pops up and he comes to life. So many of us give up on the first disappointment and we don't press through to the promise. See, this boy was promised to this woman and God was going to see it through. If any of you thought that your promise would not come with setback, you have not read the Bible. What God has called you to will always be rough. It will always have moments of faith. It will always have moments where you look around and you say, I need a resurrection. I need some resurrection power because this thing isn't wounded. It is dead. It is dead. You know, who, you know who, uh, who, who believed it was over and finished and done? Lazarus. And everyone around Lazarus. If God shows you that he is a God of resurrection, you don't have to wait for Resurrection Sunday to believe that. Jesus showed it with Lazarus, who stayed in the grave one more day than him. That he is capable of anything. Amen? Amen. Why do you raise Lazarus on the fourth day? Because it made you realize that three days wasn't so hard. But nobody trusted he'd come back. They all mourned the loss of Jesus when Jesus was lying in that tomb. I told you this is a good resurrection message. Jesus is lying in that tomb. And they're mourning his loss, not celebrating the victory to come. And so many times we find ourselves right in the middle of the battle, right in the middle of the need for a resurrection. And that's when our disappointment becomes the greatest. That's when our hope wanes and that's when we suffer the most. But we don't understand that sometimes we just need to lie down and breathe life into our situation, to rest in God and breathe life into the situation and God, let God resurrect what God has called us to. Amen. I want to show you this picture. This is a painting, if we can put it up. I don't know where Chris is. Can we put the painting up, please? Bathroom break at the wrong moment. This painting, if you can see it up there, I'll move around a little. It's been given the name of Checkmate. This is the devil on the left in the green coat. I don't know who picked that. I guess red's a new thing. Um, 
playing chess with this man for his soul. That's what the painting represents. And if you can see that the, the devil is excited about his victory and the young man is upset because he realizes that he's about to have to surrender, he is seconds away from having to declare checkmate over this situation. He's in an impossible situation where there seems to be no way to win and the devil has beaten him. And that's what this picture represents. It's a, uh, a famous picture that at once hung in the Louvre and is very well known. But in 1888, the Columbia Chess Chronicles published a story about a chess player and this painting. The famous painting called Checkmate that once hung in the Louvre of the devil, capturing a soul, at the end of his rote, no way out, the devil had won. A copy of this painting hung in a gentleman's house named Reverend R.R. R. Harrison. And, and one night he had a, a gathering of friends and he invited a famous chess player named Paul Morphy. He was the chess champion of the world, and he's considered not just the greatest chess player uh, of the 19th century, but he's perhaps considered the greatest chess player ever. Many have argued he's the greatest chess player that ever lived. And Mr. Morphy was a guest of Reverend R.R. Harris, Harrison. He showed him the picture, and everyone that had seen this picture came to the same conclusion that this man's fate was sealed, that he was in an impossible situation and he would have to surrender to checkmate, hence why the picture has been called Checkmate. Because the enemy has won. So they, they went through their supper and they ate and everything, but the chess player, this famous chess player, the master chess player, couldn't get this picture off his mind. And so with the close of supper, deeply interested, Morphe approached the picture. He studied it a while intently and then turned to his host and said this. I think that I can take the young man's game and win. So Morphe was challenged at everyone there that said, there's no way. There's not another move. The king does not have another move. Not even you, Mr. Morphe, can retrieve that game. Morphe replied, suppose we place the men and try. So the board was arranged and the rest of the company gathered around me, deeply interested in the results. To the surprise of everyone, victory was snatched from the devil and the young man was saved. You see, Morphe had discovered that the king had one more move. God has given you a promise and it looks like the devil has checkmated your promise. I'm here to tell you that the king has one more move in your life. The king has one more move in your ministry. The king has one more move in your finances. The king has one more move in your calling. The king has one more move. The devil thinks he's won, but God says, I'll make one more move and that move will set you up for victory. It looks like checkmate, but you need not fear. The game is not over yet. Does anybody believe that this morning, that God has one more move? The king has one more move. It may look like he's in the grave, but he's got another move left. He's not done yet. The breath of life is coming over you. See, when, when he played out the chessboard, 
there was something he discovered. You can't quite see it on this, but when you line it all up, you can see that there's a move left. The king can't move anywhere without getting taken by the queen that's set up. But it turns out there's this move in chess where you can take your castle and bring it over next to your king and move your king. Okay? You can castle it. And that was the move that was left. It's for the castle, the strong tower, to come and come beside the king and to bring victory. See, some of you guys are called as princes and royalty in a nation, and you feel like the enemy still has you bound. But what you don't understand is that the king, when the king comes near and when the fortress of God comes near to you, you can withstand any onslaught of the enemy. Psalms 18.10 says that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. See, you need to castle your life sometimes and get next to the strong tower and realize that God can carry you through anything the enemy throws at you. See, in the Old Testament, Daniel was thrown into a lion's den. Checkmate. A bunch of hungry lions looking to devour him. It looked like checkmate, but our king had another move left in Daniel's life. Rackshack and Benny, remember them? They were thrown in the fiery furnace. Nebuchadnezzar even told them to heat up the fiery furnace sevenfold, seven times as hot. I tell you what looks like checkmate. It looks like checkmate when the people that are trying to kill you are so close to the fire that they die themselves. How will you possibly survive it? The soldiers burned up trying to throw them into the fire and they got thrown in the fire anyway, seven times hotter. But with a seven times advantage, the king had no power over the real king and all he needed was one more move to set up the victory for Rackshack and Benny. You make the flames seven times hotter and I'll make my kids fireproof. See, God has another move and it doesn't have to be with inside your strategy. Can we just admit we're not as smart as God? We don't see all the supernatural turns he can make. He's got another move left. In John chapter 8, it looked like checkmate for the woman about to be killed by angry men with stones. But Jesus told the woman to not sin anymore and go free. See, it looked like checkmate on her life, but Jesus set her free. I want you to tell you, on Good Friday, it looked like the devil had checkmated the Son of God but God had one more move and it was his resurrection power. Some of you need to recognize that God is not done and there still is one more move. His resurrection power is still available in your life. No matter what promises, no matter what dreams, no matter what callings that you've been called to that don't look like they're breathing right now, God still has resurrection power to move again. But if you want to stay on your own isolated, you will never find that move. It's when you draw near to the one who's called a fortress that you'll see that move. Amen. We are in a season where the impossible is becoming possible. Yes, we are building something out of ruins. I'm telling you right now that there are things in our life that are, have been destroyed. See, the Nehemiah season that we've been talking about, they walked into their city that was a promise of God. And it was destroyed and in rubble. And some of you look around and you look at your life and you go, there are things that God has promised me that look like they are in rubble. That I haven't seen fulfilled. I've had to get up. I've had to run. I've had to flee. I've had to change. I've had to move. God, you promised me a ministry. God, you promised me a wife. 
God, you promised me my finances would be okay. God, you promised me my children would go upright. God, you've promised me. And I look around and I don't see it. I don't sense it. It looks dead to me. God's not done with you. He hasn't finished by a long shot because what he's promised, he'll rebuild in your life. It does not mean that sometimes it doesn't crumble, but those committed to God's plans and purposes will easily rebuild what God has destined them to build. So I don't care what's been torn down before. I don't care what's happened in your life where you have not seen it come to pass. I don't care what ministry you were called to and that church was mean and ran you off. I should have got a lot of amens from that. There's some people in the room. You're like, they didn't see my ability. They didn't recognize how great I was. If they just would have listened to me, everything would have worked out there. Some of you need a little humility. But you feel like just because it didn't work there that it won't work at all. And God wants you to know that God wants to transform your life into something that looks like his glory. If it was easy and obvious, it wouldn't be a victory of God's. See, God is an 11th hour God. You know when he likes to show up? When it looks like the enemy has checkmated your life. So as we press into the season where the world around us looks to be crumbling a bit. And it looks like things could take a turn for the worst for you. And we're wise in preparing and being good stewards of what we have and, and, and analyzing the times and the seasons. And we're not making foolish decisions in tough times. We make wise decisions in tough times. But I want you to know something. That if God has given you a promise that even in a tough time, God will see it fulfilled. Joseph was promised that his brothers would bow before him, that he would lead his brothers. And it took a famine on a nation to see him elevated. Some of you think the famine on the nation is your moment of destruction and God says it's your moment to be elevated. It's the moment where I rise you to the top because you are one that's filled with hope and a hopeless world needs exactly what you carry. See, Joseph had the hope for his family and for a nation and God is raising those that have hope in hopeless times to be the hope into the world for him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm preaching better than you guys are amen and I'm telling you that right now. I'll wait till you guys catch up with the promise I'm giving you this morning. What I'm telling you is that God has something for you. Pastor Ren, this is an encouraging message. What is wrong with you? I don't know. I'll get myself checked out later. <laughs> Sorry, I haven't stepped on your toes enough today. telling you right now that God wants to use you. I'm going to close with this. I actually am not long-winded today. I'm going to close right here. God's tired of your defeat. God's tired of your quit. God's tired 
of you saying, well, the staff didn't work and not pressing for the breakthrough. God wants to see his children press in. Even Jesus himself went to the woman and said, I have not come for you, but for the children of Israel. And she said, don't even the dogs eat from the master's table, the scraps? The scraps. She didn't take no for an answer. The woman with the issue of blood pressed through a cloud, crowd, knowing that it would cost her her life if she didn't get her healing. That it was a capital offense to do what she did. But she was pressing through. God is looking for a remnant of people in the church that will not quit at the first sign of trouble. That will not quit the first time it looks like what they've asked the Lord for has not come to pass. The first time they stretch out their hand and there is no life. He's looking for people that will try again, who will pray again, who will stand again, who will hope again. Because here's the truth. While you've given up on your promise, God has not given up on you. You're his promise. You're his promise. God has one desire. One. To be in loving relationship with you. That's it. That is all he wants. You're his promise. He spoke you into the world as a promise of love for himself. What makes, here's the thing, if you've given up on your promise, what makes you think he's given up on his? He loves you so much that when the staff doesn't work, that he wants you to use your breath. See, so many, so many of us, what we do is we fall apart in our circumstances. We, 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 we break, and there are moments in our life where it feels like we're going to break. It does. It feels like we're going to break rather than have a breakthrough. And there are moments that are hard and difficult and trying. I understand that. I understand those moments. But I'm telling you right now is that the checkmate of the devil does not exist in your life if you're walking according to his plans and purposes. But Pastor Ren, they killed the disciples. You mean they sent them to glory? They sent them to eternal relationship with the Father? Why don't we start changing our vernacular? The only thing the devil can do is hurry you to your promise. That's about it. But I tell you, as long as I have breath in this life, I'll see the promises of God in this world fulfilled in my life. I will fight. I will contend. I will hope again. I will try one more time. I will pray one more time. I will stand. I will fight. And I will not give up until I get my glory here or there. But if you only put a toe in, you will only get a toe of a promise. That's all you'll get. You'll stay frustrated because the majority of you is still in frustration and only a little bit of you is in the promise. Only a little bit of you is serving God in the capacity God has called you to. So whether he's called you to walk beside a prophet or he's called you to clean a toilet or he's called you to lead an international organization, I don't care what God has called you to do. Whatever he's called you to do, you run your race. 
Did you know that just running your race is winning your race? See, you're not in, everyone thinks when they picture running the race, they think about beating all their brothers and sisters, but you're racing alone. In fact, the only one trying to keep up with you is the devil. But when you run your race, he can't catch you. <laughs> I watch that movie. I watch Forrest Gump run, and I get tired just watching him. I hate running. I hate running. When I went to Kenya, they called me Kip Cheer Cheer. That's my Kenyan African name, Kip Cheer Cheer. It means forerunner, one that runs. And I'm like, oh, I hate running. I hate running. But see, there was something powerful in that phrase, is that I'm a forerunner. It means I run where other people have not yet run. I, I blaze new trails. I cut new paths. I'm called to run where other people have not run. And you know what it takes to run in places other people have not been able to run before? It takes courage and discipline. And it takes stick to It takes the ability to not give up even when you find yourself surrounded by a jungle. Because I realize that I have the machete and I carve the trail. And so the only time there is no trail is when I stop chopping. And so many of us, we say, this forest will never end. This trail will never end. I'm swallowed by my surroundings. And God is saying that if you will just keep pressing through, you don't know how close you are to the breakthrough on the other side. I wasn't going to tell this story, but I'm recalling a story about a man in California that went mining for gold and he had bought a plot of land and he set out every day mining for gold and mining for gold and mining for gold. And he got to the end of his rope and finally just exhausted, broken, his body broken, his finances gone, his family deserted. He finally decided that he had no hope in finding any gold in his plot of land. And so he sold his plot of land for what he could get and he sold it to another miner. And that miner went out. And he began to mine where the miner had left off before. And within feet, yeah, within just a couple of feet, that man struck a vein of gold that made him one of the richest plots of land in California gold history. But the man had given up just feet shy of his breakthrough and his promise. What have you given up on just feet shy Pastor, you don't know how hard I've tried. Yeah, but the breakthrough was right there. Pastor, you don't know how long I've done it. Yeah, but the breakthrough was right there. What if the breakthrough is only feet away? What if the breakthrough is one more prayer away? What if the breakthrough is just a month away? What if the breakthrough is next year? You know, if you knew the end of the breakthrough, you would hold on and endure through it all. Do you know that's true? If you knew it was coming in six weeks, six months, six years, you would hold on for that promise because you knew it was coming. It's the unknown that terrifies us. It's the unknown that scares us. But I don't know when it's going to happen. Do we trust him in the promises he's given us that if we walk in them, they will happen? If you knew it was going to break through, you'd hold on, right? So how about you just know he's going to break through? How about you just know that God is going to come through? We're in a season of breakthrough. Forget what the world's doing. Right now, they may have famine, but we're going to have a feast. 
We're going to rise up in this season. We're going to be the hope of a world suffering, hurting, lost, and broken. And we're going to show them where they can be put back together again. Amen? Amen. So in the name of Jesus, Father, I speak life over this room. I decree, Father, that breakthrough is happening. That you are bringing the increase. Jesus, bring your spirit of breakthrough into this room. There are people in here whose bodies are broken. Holy Spirit, I declare it is not checkmate on their health. That the enemy has no more hold on their health in the name of Jesus. Father, every time I've given a prophetic word in this room, it's come to pass. So I declare right now, I'm seeing right now someone with ankle pain and it's going right now in Jesus' name. Maybe the right ankle. Sometimes I get them backwards. Father, I declare it's happening right now. Anyone over Facebook watching us live, I declare right now, healing is happening over you right now. We speak healing life over you. There's breakthrough in this room. Some of you right now have been in devastating relationships that your relationship has constantly been on the brink of failure and you're believing and hoping God for a restoration and a, and a salvation in that relationship. And I'm here today to tell you right now that God is about to make a breakthrough. Some of you have broke clean of relationships and God's about to set you free. I'm not giving you advice here. I'm telling you what the Lord says. Some of you have been suffering financial setbacks in this season. You have not been able to find that which God has called you to and find your lane. And you feel like it's just never going to happen. I'm here to tell you it's going to happen right now. In fact, I hear this. I hear the Lord say seven days. Seven days. Seven days. Seven days. That you'll have a report next week. Next Sunday on, uh, on Resurrection Sunday, you will have a report that God has broken through in your finances and jobs that there's going to be an increase. And I see it over like three or four of you actually right now. There's somebody in here right now that I don't know if you're up for a promotion, if you know you're up for a promotion, but you're going to get it. Is there anyone in the room that already, I don't know if you know it, but you've, it's been suggested at your work for a promotion. Is that anybody? Just raise your hand if that's you. You? You? Hallelujah. So I'm just going to declare this over you. So it's been suggested or you've been applied for it already? Suggested or applied? Suggested? So I believe right now that God's about to release that over you in the name of Jesus, that it's been released over you in the name of Jesus, that the favor of God is coming on you, that the favor of Joseph lands on your life right now in the name of Jesus, that you'll be a benefit to the company, you'll be a benefit to your career, that right now they'll see you as a source of salvation in the company, that like Joseph, you'll bring ideas that cause the land to prosper, cause the company to prosper in the name of Jesus, I declare it. Hallelujah. Is it a management position? And you're not currently in management? You are? You're not? You're not now in the position as a management position. Is that right? Okay, that's okay. That still counts. I, I, I heard management. And so um, even this initial phase for both of you, even this initial phase... Um, I, I hear management. When I'm looking at both of you, I'm asking the Lord to determine, you know, which one's that for, and the Lord says both of you. And, and so I think that there's even going to be a rising up there where God is going to begin to celebrate your obedience. Okay, and I hear this, as you serve me, so I'll serve you. Like, he's going to raise you up. And I just hear him say that he's getting, I, I hear him say this over you. I don't know you. We haven't met before, right? 
this is your first Sunday? So I, I hear the Lord just say, I'm aligning some things in your life right now. Uh, I'm aligning some things in your life that have been m- misaligned with me. And God says that he's, he's re- uh, removing the poverty streak that's existed in your family. Okay, and so I don't know what's happened. I don't know what's happened in generations before, but I hear him just say that there's been this attack on your family and, and the Lord says he's removing that blockade right now and he's about to release floodgates over your life. Do you have children? Because I see these children gathered around and God just being so merciful and beginning to elevate. And I just saw like liquid gold come underneath you. And God was saying that as my anointing is poured out in your life, as you're becoming uh, more aware of my presence and surrendering to me, I'm going to take care of all those situations. And I saw him washing away like there was some crud or dirt. I don't want to like spill it up, but there's some crud or dirt, some things in your life that were just muddy. Um, and the Lord was washing it away in this season. And he says, I'm about to do a work in your life and wash it away. Um, do you, hallelujah. So as many of you know, I just prophesy, I'll keep giving details until I have no more details, right? Until I get one wrong so I can release the word of the Lord for you. Um, but I feel like this, I feel like there's been, it's, it hasn't been completely hopeless, but it's, it's felt hopeless. Maybe not so much for you, but for her a little bit. It's felt kind of hopeless. It's felt like that, that beginning of the message where it's like, man, I, I make one step ahead and three, get knocked back three. Does that make sense for you guys at all? And it feels like that happens. Um, and I, do, do you have a brother by any chance? Or does she have a, do you have a brother? Has your brother kind of experienced that same kind of stuff in his life? Or is he the successful one? He's experienced the same type of stuff, right? So I see your brother, um, and, and he's gone through that. Has there been any addiction in your family at all? So in your brother's life as well? So I see that spirit of addiction. And I, see, I can't know that. I don't know you. I see that spirit of addiction. I can't know you have a brother. This is the Lord speaking to you, sir. And God is saying that he's breaking off those things that have held you bound those things that you have served, those things your family have served because those things hold you in servitude. They hold you in bondage. They're bondage. They're servitude. They make you a slave to them. And God says that you will serve me in this season, not serve those things anymore. And so he's even breaking, he says he's even breaking it off generations in your family and breaking it off your life and breaking it off your family's life. And, and it's like this, this, I see this kind of toxic atmosphere that's happened across your family from father to son. And the Lord says, not you. That the 1,000 fall at your left and 10,000 fall at your right. It shall not come to pass. And I felt like today was a day of breakthrough for you. I felt like God was saying today in particular was your breakthrough day. That when you woke up this morning and made an agreement, you made a conscious decision to come this morning, that you did not realize that just that moment of acceptance and agreement has broken the holds of the enemy off your life. And he can't checkmate your finances. He can't checkmate your family anymore. And he does not have any hold on your children anymore. I'm going to go a step further and you can just tell me when I'm wrong. It's okay. Everyone in here knows I just keep prophesying. You got to let me be wrong eventually. But if I'm not, don't just tell me I'm wrong on purpose. But I'm, I'm looking at your children. You have a couple of children? Two? Okay. A couple of children. I'm looking at your children. Are any of them suffering with... Um, I can't tell quite exactly what it is, but it feels like there's a, um, like, like, like ADD or something like that. Or 
So they're on the spectrum. That's what I was trying to say. I saw them like spectrum. I couldn't tell if it was autistic or ADD. It is autistic. And ADD? Asperger's. Okay, so I saw them on the spectrum. I can't know that. I don't know your children. I can't know that, but I heard the Lord say so clearly that my promise is not just for you, but it's for your children. Hey, if everyone knows, if you've been in our church for a little bit, you know we got lots of kids on the spectrum and they are healthy. They're going to make great adults. They're powerful. They're loved. Yeah. They, they're not going to have any problem in life. Amen. They're different. They're not, they're not, they're not uh, medical needs. And so we see them rise up to their full potential here without, without squandering or suppressing who they're called to be. So some of those traits inside your children are actually their advantages. But they're different than us because they're built different than us. And we've seen those children come into this place and thrive and become who God's called them to be. Well, I'm not trying to make them like us. So I, I declare right now that there is hope in there and God is about to do a restorative turnaround process. And I know that that can be hard on parents. And I'm just telling you right now, the breakthrough's happening. I couldn't know all these things, sir. The, about the only thing I could have known is said, you got a Pizza Hut head out. That's right. I could have been like, do you work at Pizza Hut maybe? Or do you just really like Pizza Hut and they give you free hats because you order so much? Right. But I feel like God is about to do a breakthrough. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And I even saw like a blessing and favoring on car situations. I don't know if you've had like trouble with a car or anything like that, but I feel like there's car situations that God's about to bless you. Uh, are you a one car family or a two car family? Is it one car? One, yeah, so I feel like God is about to bless you guys. I feel like that's been a frustration and God is about to remove that blockade. If you'll trust him in this next season, if you'll just move forward and trust him and, and just walk in his rest, walk in his peace and not get so frustrated at the, at the three steps back. I'm telling you right now, God has not checkmated you. He has not checkmated you guys. He sees you clearly. I could not have known these things. Amen. Is there anyone in this church? And Did I even get to greet you guys this morning? I never even got to shake your hand. So the Lord wanted me to highlight you guys this morning in particular. And I'm telling you right now that your promise for management is happening as well. So I, we, we, didn't, we didn't take all the promise down to them. I left you some too, so don't worry, okay? You got some promise. So I declare right now, you stick a staff on it or lay down in their face and say, give it to me. Just breathe right on them. This is my job. Come to life, job. Whatever you need to do, amen? Hallelujah. Was there anybody in the room with that ankle pain? Was that somebody? Just wave at me a little bit. I see someone pointing, but I can't see a hand. Is that a hand? Okay. So right now I'm just going to decree and declare that the ankle pain go. In Jesus' mighty name, Father, I speak healing across this room in Jesus' mighty name. I declare your ankle is healed. The pain is going in Jesus' name. Inflammation go. Ankle line up. I declare and decree, Father, you've healed a lot more. In this room, in Jesus' name, we see metal dissolve out of ankles. So we declare that right now your healing is coming. Fire of God, come right now and bring the healing fire of God. Healing oil right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Whew. I felt the release of heaven over you. In Jesus' name. Whew. More, more, increase, increase, increase. Pain go right now in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. We're going to test that in a second and check it. 
Just asking the Lord if he has anything. Are you guys okay? You okay? I can stop prophesying now if you don't like it. I mean, you got to go. You got to go. I don't know where we got to go that's more important than his presence. Whew. Thank you, Lord. Oof. Somebody here, I just saw someone's heart. Something going on with the heart. You or someone else too. You got something going on. Something with the heart and head. Someone with the heart. I don't know if you've just been having heartache. So I felt a physical heart, but there's someone in here. I just want to be honest with you for a second. We're going to pray together, but I just want to be honest for a second. The heartache has felt so much that you've lost heart. That you've lost heart. Does that make sense? I just want you to be honest for a second. And just be like, man, it's... We've all gone through, I've gone through seasons, man, where I've just lost heart. I didn't give up and lay down, maybe. I didn't quit, but man, I lost heart. It was so much easier just to be hopeless. It was so much easier just to anticipate discouragement. But there's someone in here that I really feel like you've just lost heart. Who is that for today? Would you raise your hand and just be bold enough to say that's you? Because I believe that God's about to touch your heart. Amen. Amen. So, Father, I just decree and declare right now for the heartless, for those that have lost heart, I declare right now that you put a new heart in them in Jesus' name, that the love of God just come in, wash over them and restore that which they feel has lost heart in. Father, physical pain go in Jesus' name. Head issues go right now, but emotional heart. Lord, come to life right now. Place a new heart in them. Give them encouragement in this season that you are not done with them or their promise yet. Father, I just speak it in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you that this is a day of hope. This is the day where we celebrate the triumphal entry of the king into people's lives. And so, Father, we declare that the triumphal entry of the king and his Holy Spirit and the fire and power of God is entering your life in a victorious way this morning. We celebrate the victory in this room in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Would you bow your heads for one second? Close your eyes real quick. If you're in this room, you're under the sound of my voice. Nobody else is looking around. It's just me and you this morning. But you would say that, Pastor Ren, this message was exactly what I needed to hear. This is exactly the season I'm going through, and I need your prayers. Would you raise your hand and just let me know? It's just me and you. Amen. So many of you guys. Amen. Now, I want to take it one step further. If you say... I have not been in a right place with God. I have not been in a right place with Jesus. This Jesus that has one more move, that died for me and resurrected, one more move to beat the enemy, to give me a hope of salvation. The Bible says that if we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, he will save us. And that no matter what the enemy brings against us, our promise is heaven, period. And we are welcomed into his gates by simply believing him and asking him to forgive us. If there's anyone in this room and you have not made that decision to make Jesus your Lord, this king who has one more move when you don't, and today you say, today's my day, today's the day I want to give my heart to Jesus, I want to give my life to Jesus. This God will be my God, I want this God. If you're under the sound of my voice, it's time for you to be set free, it's time for you to get your breakthrough, it's time for you to make a commitment so that your life can be where God has called you to, so your life can have a hope again. 
If that's you this morning, would you just raise your hand just between you and I? Amen. Anybody else? This is your moment. If you say you've been far away from him, amen. If you say you've been far away from him, you've made that commitment, but you just been, you haven't been all in. Your toe's been in. And that's you, and you want to get all in this morning. Who is that? Raise your hand. Amen, 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 amen. So, Father, right now, I just want you guys to pray this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. I believe he died for me, and he rose again for me. He would have done it just for me. So I believe that he is Lord. Forgive me of all my sins, every wrong thing I've done, and wash me clean. And I make you the Lord of my life. I surrender to you. Your plan is now my plan. Your will is now my will. And I give you my life. Take control of it, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now your next step is to get fully equipped and raised up in who God has called you to be. It's not enough just to know you're a son or a daughter. Now you need to find out what you're called to do, what you're called to be, who you can become. All of us started out where you are. All of us started in a place where we said, we don't know, but we know this is true. And we know that this is better. And then we found out who we were called to do. I was a broken 16-year-old boy that was hurting. When I said, I, I don't know who you are, God. I don't know anything about you, but I know that you're real and I know this is right. And so I'm just gonna give you my life and trust you and see what happens. And it's been the best ride I've ever had. We want to pray for you. Send us a message with your prayer requests through Facebook or email and let us know how we can pray for you today. Also, let us know how this message impacted your life. I love you. God loves you. Shalom. Shalom.